0: Welcome to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun. This is your host Jazz Bear, and today's guest is Kasi Majid. launched his first company in 2002 and currently he is the CEO of the WOW group of companies which consists of two digital agencies, one of which was featured on Channel 4's TV show The Job Interview and Rojam. He also serves on the Executive Board of Asian Business Chamber of Commerce. Let's welcome Kasim.
1: When I've played sports, it doesn't matter how badly I've played, I know the next week I will get a hundred runs, or I will get a big run. You know, I will play well. And in two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, when you know the, the the markets crashed and all that kind of stuff, I, I went through quite a tough time mentally in business. And basically, you know about self fulfilling prophecies. You're a coach, right? I started having self-fulfilling prophecies because all through my life, my parents—not in a bad way or anything like that—they brought me up with the fear of failure. You know, if you don't go to school, you don't study, you don't go to university, you're going to be a, a dustbin man, which is, is no disrespect. I look at it back now; there's no disrespect in that. Or you're going to be cleaning the streets, or you're going to—you know—you're going to be cleaning people's toilets if you don't study, right? So therefore, their, their driving behavior was one of, if you don't do this, therefore you will be a failure. So all through my working career, uh, up until that point, I was always running away from the fear of failure. So every time I achieved something, it wasn't good enough. Because what was, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? So I was on this constant treadmill. And I'd become really successful up until 2008 2009, I'd sold my business, you know, really well. And then 2000, i made some mistakes, 2009, you know, the, the markets crashed, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I had money where I shouldn't have done and spent before, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and, um, I nearly lost everything. Um, and then what happened was it, the whole thing kind of came tumbling down in my mind in terms of, I used to go into situations thinking I'm going to fail at it anyway. And then the whole fear of failure became my reality. And then I I knew this was not good for me mentally. And so I met a guy who was this hostage negotiator. He was a sports psychologist as well. And he was an NLP practitioner and a hypnotherapist and all these kind of things. And to be honest with you, I was quite, you know, become. I think as Asians, we're very cynical as well. You know, we are cynical, but we're very um, superstitious at the same time, we really weird. Yeah, so I met this guy and he was, he was like a sports psychologist and it really resonated with me. He, he, he was a hostage negotiator and then he left the police and then he, um, he had a real understanding of language and the power of language and what words to use in what scenarios. And I suppose you have to be like that if you're a hostage negotiator, right? And then he started to kind of mentor and coach sports people in, uh, if they were having a certain blockage to get to where they need to get to Um, professional ones that and kind of, uh, we just started talking and I said to Mark, um, why is it when I play sport, I feel 110% confident that one week I may get zero runs in cricket and next week I know I'll get a hundred. But in business right now, I feel as though everything I go into, I feel as though we're going to fail at, I'm going to fail at it. You know, I wasn't very confident in that part of my life and, uh, after I'd become really confident, and uh, he, he said, come and see me. So I went and see seen him, and his first session, he got me to relax deeply, and he kind of, not so much hypnotized me, but kind of put me under, and started talking to me. the clever thing was, he used the words that I used with him back at me, because they were the words that I understand, right? And I went to three or four sessions, and, and after the first session, he uh, he said, you've been running away from the fear of failure all your life. We're going to move you to- towards the joy of achievement, so you can enjoy the moment. And it completely fundamentally changed my um, my life, actually. And what happened was, he put them on MP3 and he recorded them especially for me. And now I used to listen to them all the time. And then, maybe four years in, I lost them. I couldn't find them anywhere because you know you move la- laptops and devices and all this kind of thing and I was looking for them because I was you know sometimes you go through cycles I was having some negative thoughts just recently in the beginning of the year and uh all of a sudden I was I was thinking I'd love to be able to listen to them again just to get me because I believe you know when you read and you have positive things because change happens doesn't happen like a flash a bolt of lightning change happens with I believe in dropping down layers on your habits. And that's how you change over a period of time. It never happens overnight. It's just a constant kind of, I call it um, when you read, you're actually um, creating layers of data to be called upon when you least expect it. Okay. And uh, so anyway, and I found them on a USB stick. I was putting a USB, I found a USB stick in my bag because I need. I put it in and there they were. And so the last eight, eight, nine weeks, I've been listening to them again. I listen to the same ones every day and it has a massive impact and it just allows me to relax because um, I'm a great believer as you get older, people think as you get older, you get a little bit, um, not so much tired. I think my, as I've got older, my capacity to return information has got better. But I do believe my CPU capacity in terms of my brain it's work, working more at an optimal level. When you're younger, you don't have the information in your brain. So, therefore, your brain is a bit em, is emptier. So, therefore, you, you can put the layers down. But as you get older, you have more and more information. So, what's important is to empty the brain regularly. I think that's so important. And I'm probably a little bit older than you, but as you get into your later 40s, as I am now, I need to regularly... Empty my brain, whether that's running, whether that's just going out for a walk in the office. You know, sometimes I'll just go for a walk and go, some you know, go to the top of a building in Birmingham, the library or something, and just sit there for maybe an hour, two hours, and just watch the world go by and have a think, and then come back, and then I'm back, I'm refreshed. But um, I think it's so, but yeah, I think it's so important that you do that because, like I said, my capacity to learn. And absorb information is far better than it was when I was younger or when I was at university, because mm-hmm. I understand it in context as well. Whereas at university, you're learning for the sake of learning. Whereas now I'm learning for the sake of improving myself and how that fits in the world, my world and the world around me. But yes, that's a little bit of a, just my kind of some of my philosophies on so, you know? life.
0: So eventually you did complete university. Yeah. And what did you study?
1: Computer science.
0: Oh wow! Okay,
1: and hated every moment of it. <laughs> yeah, because I was much—I wanted to party, and and computer science was the only course that would take me because I didn't do so well in my A levels, even though I was a very very bright student. I just studying wasn't really for me, um, but I did it because my parents wanted me to do it, and um, and I just did it. I kind of—I think I copied my way through my degree because all the clever kids on the course used to do the coding. And some of it didn't work. This is back in the day, you know. We used to screw up the print, the printout, and throw it in the bin. And me and my friend used to go and get it out of the bin and, like, re. part of it worked.
0: Goodness, I mean, this is genius.
1: <laughs> so part of it worked, right? So we used to look yeah. where it didn't work and, like, solve the problem. Oh, there we went, bang. Yeah, so that's how we used to do it. Yeah, which was uh, quite interesting.
0: That, that's what the, isn't that what, because I was watching the movie about a month or so ago, isn't that what um, Mark Zuckerberg did? He, he, he joined this group. What, what, what's, the, what's the name right name for it? Is it a faculty? Okay, yeah. The, the, the higher level IQ kids or from a certain class that go within Harvard itself. Yeah. And then they were working on a social media platform and then he goes off and then he goes, ah, I can do it better. And then he does it. And then eventually the movie goes on to show that he had to pay him and a couple of other people.
1: He had the twins, wasn't it? Yeah, the twins. That's yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, Martin Zuckerberg was a bit of a genius, but um, I mean, we were just, we just, we were just uh, hustlers. Right. <laughs> well, my own, yeah, my mom was just a hustle, but yeah, Martin, Martin Zuckerberg was a genius. But, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a message in that. You just said, you know, that even in sports or in life, you should always surround yourself with um, people that... People say you should always surround yourself with people that are better than you. No, because no one's better than anyone. You should surround yourself with people who have better skills than you. And you should always play the game at a higher level. You know, so important. I mean, even when I, even even if you're really, even let's say cricket, I always try to play with kids that were older than me when I was younger, a league that was higher than my level, because it raises your game. When, as I've got older, my, obviously your game regresses a little bit, but you know, it's really weird. If you're playing Division One, you'll raise your game to Division One. If you're playing Division Five, You'll play at that level. So you should always surround yourself with, with... If you're the brightest person in the room, you need to get out of the room. Right. You should never be the brightest person in the room. In fact, you should be the dumbest person in the room.
0: And th- That's why I started this podcast.
1: <laughs> well, you know, um, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, it's to you connect won't...
0: and learn from, from um, people that are very highly skilled at their craft, yeah. uh, especially in the business arena.
1: Yeah. And, and you know you learn that over time, and, you know, my, my, and it's really weird, actually, because you know your parents have a massive influence on you, I think. and my father always used to say used to say, "And it's the same thing He used to say, "Be careful of the company that you keep. It's so important, And I never used to understand that when i was growing up, but now I understand it. As you get older, you understand it right. Yeah, and what absolutely. you were saying and what you were saying was, you know, always surround yourself with people that will influence you in a very good way. So I think um, I think. It's very, very important. And I do that regularly. I always put myself in places where I feel extremely uncomfortable because that's the only way you're going to learn, right?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And how do you find in, in, within yourself, you know, someone who's looking to, what do you do to find these kind of groups of people?
1: I do believe that the mind um, is a very, very powerful, powerful, the most powerful thing that has been created and that human beings are very, very powerful. I think the first thing that you have to do, and what do I do? I seek out those opportunities. You know, you can wake up every morning, and I, and you know what? Look, I'm a human being, and and what's important is to be real every morning. You know, you, people wake up with doubts. They wake up. They have sleepless nights. They, you know, it's entrepreneurship. You know, sometimes you're up here, sometimes you're down. You got, but if you wake up every morning, and I've trained myself to do this now, is my job is to solve problems, because problems are going to occur every single day if you're an entrepreneur, and if you go about looking at solving problems, then you will find solutions and I was listening to another podcast actually the other day because um, I listen to them quite regularly and i and I make and I listen to them whilst I take my son to school because um it's good for him as well because I'm subconsciously dropping layers in his. His data bank, and yeah. um, because because kids don't listen to parents, right? So they might as well listen to someone else. So I was listening to a podcast, and it was a podcast between a guy called Rob Moore.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah a disruptive entrepreneur, yeah.
1: Disruptive, and he's from Progressive pop- Property, and he was interviewing Ed Milet. I don't know if you know, Ed Milet is a big big coach in America, right? And you know, you have these moments where you where things just click for you, and sometimes quite often when some th- bad things happen to you, you say to yourself, why is this happening to me? And Ed Milet was talking about this. You know, you, you, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you know, you bad, you know, certain things, things not going your way, etc., cetera, et cetera, And you start saying, why are these things happening to me? Which takes you into completely feeling sorry for yourself and a victim mode. And in that mode, you kind of don't think of anything other than yourself. Whereas you change the language instead of saying, why is this happening to me? To saying, why is this happening for me? From to me to for me, you start thinking of solutions. So that small switch in language completely changes the outlook in your life. So coming back to your question of what do I do? Are we... Look out for those opportunities to challenge myself, to surround myself with people who are better than me. I surround myself and listen to people that have a different opinion to me and, and ask myself, okay, so why are they thinking like that? And why am I thinking the way I'm thinking to a certain solution, to a certain problem? to a certain situation because they view the world in a different way than I you view the world, and we must respect that. However, we are all human. Sometimes we agree and sometimes we disagree. Sometimes we think something may be good. Someone else might think it's something bad. And I think you've got to surround yourself with people that are going to challenge you on, on those kind of things.
0: Wow. Okay. And, and coming on to, you know, you mentioned... Around two thousand nine, that's where you it really challenged you, right? Your business business and your life. Yeah. Let's take us a little bit further back. So you finished your university, and then around two thousand two, you started your business. So what were you doing before, just before you started your business?
1: Okay, so before I was doing my business. Right. So when I left university, I spent four years in financial services. Right. And I went and I went and worked as a commission-only salesperson in the finance industry, working. I used to raise, uh, I started off in residential, then I went in and did commercial finance. But it helped me hone uh, my sales skills. And also, the best thing it gave me was how to generate referrals right. from customers. So you do a good job for a customer and then ask them for other people that we could help. And, you know, right. and you know, quite often, and, and I still, it's still ingrained in me now, you know, still ingrained in me now that when we've done a good job for someone or when I've spoken to, you know, with my network, I'll always ask them, say, can you introduce me to this person? It's slightly more sophisticated now because it becomes more of a consultative type approach and it's much more natural. Whereas before it was when you're sailing, it's, it's very much forced. Right. Um, but now it's very much, oh, can you introduce me to that? And actually, naturally, and, and the other thing that I do naturally is I connect. My network to opportunities, Um, and and you know one of one of you know one of the secrets to life is is um, I think maybe uh, Zig Ziglar that said it, but I wholeheartedly believe it that if you want to get what you want out of life, help others get what they want out of life first, and by the natural forces of the of the universe, you start to attract more opportunities. Right, but you've got to do it with. And this is the most important thing. You've got to do it with the right intention. If you do it with intention of, I'm going to give you something and therefore I'm going to get something back, it doesn't work. Because that's based on transactional. It's not based on the heart. It's not based on emotion. If I can help you, I don't want anything back from you. But maybe when the opportunity arises, I can say, "Jazz, I know you know this person. Is there an opportunity for you to introduce me? Because that's the goodwill, right? That's the unseen. If you help, I think, are um, you Sikh? Yes, yeah. Okay, so in your religion, it's called Seva, right? Yes. Seva. You go, you go to the temple, you go to Gurdwara, you do Seva. Because you're putting back into the pot of community, you're putting back into the pot of the universe of what you've taken from. You must always give back, right? And, 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 and there's, a, there's a huge power in that.
0: Wow. So, so then, then what, what happened?
1: Oh, next? yeah. So I, for, four years, I spent financial services. Then I went back into the IT industry and worked for an IT training company. And then from there, I worked telecoms company, which is probably the best job I ever had because I had the best mentor, which was my sales director. And he said to me, he knew I wanted to start my own business and do my own thing and all that kind of stuff. And he said, Kasim, I won't be able to stop you from following your dream, but I'll be able to help you. And still to this day, 20 years on, every time I get an accolade or uh, something good happens to me, I always share it with him and say to him, it's because of you I've done this, or it's because you know you've been part of my journey. And I have four or five people that I always share that kind of celebration with the people. And I always say to them, and, and I always remember them because they're the people that made a huge influence on my life. One of them is my, my teacher at school that, I still in, that I'm still in touch with. Uh, one of them is my old sales director. Another one is a friend of mine that looked after me whilst I was at university. He was a very, you know, very, very, I always looked up to him. A very kind of older brother type person. And yeah, so, you know, it's, um, and and even now I have so many amazing people that that are just so supportive so supportive how
0: how important were they like a lot of the times you know you hear first thing you should do is make a list of people that are negative and get rid of them how how did you so you have these all these people that have kind of supported you on your journey and then what about the other side
1: yeah well you know look it's easy to say that it's easy to say that but it's hard to do and especially
0: if they're your parents or your Immediate family.
1: Yeah, and you know, you know, even though my, my, look, I came from an, a good family, and you know, my parents were well educated. My father was a, an officer in the air force. My wife, my my mum was a teacher, so they were very well. You know, they they wanted the best for their children, um, and they even went into business as well. My dad went into business with my brother, and you know, had had successful businesses. But I think their kind of approach to life was glass half empty. Right. And it was very risk-averse. Even though they were in business, it was very risk-averse. But it's good to have those people in your life as well because they can be a reality check in certain situations. I'm not saying my preparers, but like people may think it's negative. I think the people that are always, look, very true, you're the average of the five people that you hang around. Is true. yeah. It's very much true, and I very much believe it. Hence the saying, playing the game. Playing the game with people that are better than you or better skills than you or being the brightest person in the room doesn't it, it doesn't improve you. All these kind of things. There's, there's, there's so much truth in these cliches, but the reality of the situation—you have to be real—is that it's good to have those people in your life as well. Because with everything that is good, that is bad. Where, for whatever you know, where, every, where everything is generous, there is jealousy. You know, so for every yin and yang in life, you need to have those. Diametrically opposed, reverse polarity type emotions and situations. You know, for for every bit of success, there's got to be failure along the way. So you've got to have negative and positive. Uh, and 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 I think you've got to respect people the way people look at life. Yeah, you know, there'll be some people. There'll be some people in your life that will drain you. You know, you you meet those people that really drain you of okay, oh, what's going on? But um, you are in control of you and your emotions. And, you know, that's the only thing that you can do. And sometimes, you know, we all have crap days. We all have shitty days. We all have down days. Now I have a maybe a down couple of hours and then I'm I'm back again because I know I'll go through that emotion. But it's okay to feel those emotions as well. You can't be positive all the time. That's false in fact that's a problem actually that's a problem if you're positive and high all the time then that cre- that's that's not good either
0: right so so what happened when you uh, did you like did you go home one day and say i'm going to start a business so what, what was it and what did people around you say
1: i've been quite fortunate in that the only person that i needed to convince was myself right you know people say the only, yeah, the only, I'd been thinking about it for two years. I needed to do something for myself and I tried bits and pieces and all this kind of stuff, you know, like dabbling and, you know, but I wasn't ready to make the leap. And then when I, but it felt right at the time. And, and how I just old did are you it at this point? So I was probably 30. Right. Yeah, about 30. Yeah, 30. I'd done some other bits and pieces. I tried to do a mortgage broker in business, and you know I tried to involve a business partner who was a, one of my student colleagues, a student fellow students at, at university. But you know he was just too busy sleeping. <laughs> 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 he was still he was still living a student life, even though we'd left being students for like three years, four years. Right. He just he just wanted me to sleep and do yeah. But anyway, that was a different kettle of fish, and. Uh, Tried to do some other little bits and pieces and, you know, kind of, I wasn't committed because I, I, you know, I was kind of more committed to my job. Um, I had a great job and uh, my last job that I had. But yeah, what did people say to me? People said to me it was a massive risk. Like I said to you, the only person I had to convince was me because at the time my, my wife was pregnant. She had a really good job. I had a really good job. I moved to Birmingham. My wife was still in Manchester. And I used to travel on the weekends back to Manchester uh, whilst I was living in Birmingham. And uh, yeah, I just got on with it. You just got to get on with it, haven't you? I put myself in a situation where I had no choice. Right. Either I sink or swim.
0: And then what was it about, you know, so, so you know, saying I'm going to start a business is one thing. And then where did the idea come from?
1: It was by accident. It right. It was purely by accident. And I'll tell you what happened. So when I moved from Manchester to Birmingham, the reason why I moved was, was because I had two guys. One of the guys used to be my customer at my previous job to the job that I had when I left. And that was in IT training. And he got on with really well with me. And he was he used to run his training department in a big company. And therefore I used to have a good relationship with him. I used to sell products and all that kind of stuff to him, like training courses and all that kind of stuff. This is IT training. And um, he, we kept in touch. And then he approached me and said, look, we're setting up this training company in, um, in Birmingham. And I moved move to Birmingham and I want you to come with me and, and be the sales director of the training company. So I moved to Birmingham. And so there was three of us. There was me, this uh, two, uh, two other chaps. And the business failed. Because right. it, turned, it turned out that it, would, it failed within like six months. You know, we'd, we'd um, when I mean by failed, it, um, the training market by 2002 had changed. It'd become a free model and not a paid model. So a lot of people were, ex- were getting training for free, like through colleges and that kind of stuff. So it right. became a very, very competitive market. So IT training like Word and Excel and all these kind of things. Colleges were offering it for free to businesses, and there was these things called ILAs, which were individual learning accounts where people would draw down money and get get paid to do training. So I quickly realised this, and I said to them, "Look, the model has changed. It's very difficult to contact companies and get training from get them to pay for training now. Let's um, attach ourselves to a college, which we tried try and do, but we also won. I mean, also won um, the contract to." With West Midlands Police to to train their officers in computer skills, right? Um, But that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for the company, and it turned out that one of the guys was alcoholic, and the other guy was just clueless. And it seemed like I knew more than them in business because, to me, it was just obvious. But whilst we were setting that fully enough, whilst we were setting that company up, we were being advised by a group of consultants, and two of the guys had already set up a software company. And, and being successful at it. And they saw something in me, and they just started to kind of, they started to court me whilst this company was kind of dying. And uh, they said, why don't you come on board with us? Because we're sitting in a, a different company. And you know, I started it from there, and then we grew it, and then those guys left, and then I took over and started taking over the, um, just kind of bought it from them, bought the database, I just started from there, really, and kind of never looked back since. And then I partnered with an American firm in the U.S., did some huge projects in, in the Middle East. And, yeah, you know, it's, um, and it's always been in digital. So it kind of happened organically, but by accident as well.
0: Wow. And, and you know, what are, what are the, some of the biggest challenges in the technology industry, specifically around IT? I mean, it's such a fast-paced, fast-moving industry. How, how do you make sure that you're in business? I was interviewing a lady called Penny, and okay. she mentioned um, they were the first people to launch a social media site for, uh, this, is a, this was a UK-based company, first company to launch a, a site like LinkedIn. Yep. And they had 600,000, over half a million paid members. and then, This
1: is eAcademy, e right? Yes, yes,
0: yeah. And then and LinkedIn came in. And is it Penny Power? Penny Power, absolutely, yeah. And uh, yeah, LinkedIn came in and then it kind of had this free model and it yep. changed the game. Yeah. And pretty much over, I think, a period of six months or one year, they started to lose and then eventually that closed down.
1: Yeah. So the question is, how do you keep abreast of it and how do you keep pace of it? Uh, it was a question that I got asked the other day, What's, you know, what, what do I find challenging in digital? And that was my answer, is the speed of which it it moves is hard to keep with everything yeah you've got to know what you're good at and work at that channel and understand what's coming what's ahead but it's driven by customers you've got to understand what customers are doing and where they're going and what they're looking for and i believe if you focus on key elements of speed and communication, speed and agility to move quickly, speeding, communicating, speeding, delivering, speeding everything that you do, you'll always be one step ahead of the game. Now, in our businesses, we're, we're not fancy. We don't do fancy things. And, and to a lot of degree, we're driven by what the big boys are doing. What do I mean by the big boys? People like Facebook, people like Google, People like um, the other social media platforms, because part of one of our businesses or businesses specializes in digital marketing. And a lot of it is driven by customer behavior. Now, the con that you see, like the other thing I was talking about, the other side of it is you could go down the complete route of being completely innovative, completely forward thinking ahead of the market and light years ahead, but your timing could be off. So you could have the best product that's way advanced, but you'd need millions and millions of pounds to get it to market, and it might not work. And I've been in situations like that before, where I've invested um, in a very, very high-growth startup business in 2006, but it was too early, and it was a biometrics company. It was too early for their for their for their biometric solutions.
0: And and how how did you kind of get the idea of you know okay yeah this is too early I can't. How did you test the
1: idea? We didn't test it. I mean, we had, we had an amazing board. There was myself. There was the chief scientist of the Swiss, Swiss bank. There was the inventor. We had another guy that was, um, that was the um, head of CESG in, in Cheltenham, or one of the top guys there from the army. There's a security product. They wanted to take it into one direction. I wanted to take it in another direction. Uh, but even if I took it in the direction that I wanted to take it in, it still would have been too early because the surrounding technology wasn't ready. The software could be there, but right. the hardware wasn't it hadn't caught up
0: right okay,
1: and as you know, software drives hardware and hardware drives software right yeah, yeah, because you know uh you know if 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 Microsoft bring out a new product and then Intel have to speed their chips up, which means that it drives their it drives the the sale of their components so uh, but yeah, But, we, but I, I know now it was too early because only now do we start, or we started using fingerprint logging and stuff, you know, yeah. properly, you know, on your phone or whatever. So yeah, so and that's probably what, nearly 10 years on, 10, 15 years on. Wow. Yeah.
0: And you would have been one of the first companies in, in, in the UK or
1: in the world to do it? Yeah, but particularly for, for, this, um, for this technology, yeah. Whereas uh, we want to, my company, one of my companies was one of the first to do mobile workforce automation. Right. So that was using Windows phones at the time, Windows CE. Yeah. You know, you, you get your gas meter readings coming along and they've got the stylus to put it into the, the phone. Yeah. Yeah. On the iPad, not iPad, um, uh, what was it called? Yeah. Smart, the old smartphones. Right. iPads. that kind of thing. Yeah. We were the first people to start doing applications on, on those um on those devices. And that was at the right time. So mobile workforce was right at the, you know, about 2004, 2005. We were the first people to start, one of the first people to start writing applications for that kind of stuff. On your PDAs, remember PDAs? Yes, yeah. Yeah. And you used to have like your stylus and you used to tap in your details and stuff. And uh, it was great technology. But technology moved on so quickly now, you know. You just think about just before the iPhone, we no one had a, what, an app, wasn't, you know, considered yeah. what was an app, you know. Uh, and I believe that the thing that I'm talking to you on right now is my phone. It's the most powerful, it's the most powerful thing ever invented. In fact, I'll be writing a blog very shortly, and it, and it will be the title of it is going to be The, um, the Smartphone is mightier than the pen. You know, say the pen is mightier than the sword. Yeah. I think the smartphone is mightier than the pen.
0: Hey, you have no idea what you have in your hand.
1: You, you can, you can, you can change, you can change your life. You can change people's lives. You can, you can create death. You can create wars using this thing in my hand. The wrong message, to the wrong people could create, it could create waves, right? And conversely, it could create absolute success.
0: What's been your biggest lesson in in your twenty years over twenty years in business?
1: Seriously, yeah, it's very simple. Just be kind to people.
0: It's providing value, being give. Just being be kind. Be a service.
1: Just be kind. Kindness is uh, you always get kindness back, right?
0: How how would your employees describe you? Just one oh word. Oh God, <laughs> one word. I
1: don't. Oh God, you need to ask them that. <laughs> Loyal, right? right. Hopefully.
0: Here's, here's an Hard, but
1: fair. Hard but fair. Hard but fair, okay. Yeah, very much so. I'm very loyal, you know, committed. Yeah, I think so. Maybe.
0: Here's an interesting question. You're a Man U fan. Yes. Okay. You've been in business for over two decades now, right? Yeah. you run two to three companies, probably more, right? Yeah. The, the, yeah. the WowZone and, and rojam
1: Yeah, WowZone, Zone, there's a few of yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so, so now you're the CEO of Man United. How do you fix it? Because... The reason I ask is this. How does one, you know, they have the resources, they have the money, and a lot of people think money will fix a lot of the issues in business. But yeah. something like that, a club like that, you're the CEO from a business perspective. What do you do?
1: What would I do? Fire the current CEO. But are you saying if, if I was re- to replace the current CEO? Let's, let's call it a
0: two-part question. So first of all, you're on the outside and you have the power to get rid of people if you wanted to. That's the first Mm. part. Mm. The second part is now you are the CEO and you have everything you
1: need to fix it. What would you do? It's a really good question. I would look at what made it successful for 20 odd years. Yeah. And I'd go back to those core values and create the right culture and say, look, it's not About winning, but it's about doing the best that you can in the situation. And so long as you give it 100%, that's all I would ask for. Yeah. And the winning will happen. If you create the culture, the winning will happen. It'll start becoming a habit. So you've got to create the habit of turning up on time, doing what you say you're going to do, looking out for your fellow person, being Generous to others, creating that culture, yeah, with obviously with certain metrics in place. But I think you've got to go back to culture because culture outstrips everything, culture always wins, whether it's good bad or bad. Culture always wins.
0: It's a very interesting answer. I'm a man, new fan as well. Okay, <laughs> so I've read um, Sir Alex Ferguson's book, Leadership. Mm. And uh, I remember um, I was listening to an interview, I think it was a journalist that said that in 1986, the year I was born, um, he became the manager and uh, four years in, he's about to be sacked and someone asked him, so if you're sacked or had you been sacked, sorry, when when he retired, had you been sacked in, in the next four years you were in the job, what would you have done differently? And he said, I wouldn't do anything differently. He goes, behind the scenes, people couldn't see I was building a team, I was building a culture, I was building an academy so that the young kids that are coming through have these values, just like whatever you mentioned right now, yeah. about being hardworking, about being given you know, everything. Um, you know, then if you're not hitting the certain standard after doing all of that, maybe you're not cut out for this. Yeah. And he said, you know what? I would have done exactly the same thing at another club because I know it's going to work. It will yeah. work. It has to work.
1: Yeah. yeah. And when you believe in something so deeply that you know it's going to work, the biggest thing about vision is you've got to, people can't see it. They've got to be able to feel it and be part of it because there's certain things that I can see probably in two, three, four years of where we need to be. And the greatest challenge, I think, for leaders in any business, any walk of life is for people to over-communicate that because you think, well, why can't, they, why can't they see what I'm seeing? Why can't they understand? Well, they can't because all they see is probably tomorrow or the day after. So it's,
0: that, it's that employee mindset, right? It's like, when's my next paycheck coming? Instead of saying, how nice would it be to build X, Y, and Z? How nice would it be to see that come to life? It's that lack of vision that it can There was a TED talk called uh, School, um, School Kills Creativity. Okay. And, and, you know, a child growing up would, would think of, I want to be a fireman, I want to be... He's not thinking about the paycheck. Nope. He's thinking about, I want to be a fireman. How much fun would that be or how much... Somewhere down the line, parents or family, whoever that is, starts associating money with your dream and vision. And I yeah. think that's where it loses it. I personally think Apple has started to go down that line as well since Steve well, Jobs has gone.
1: Yeah, I, I wrote a blog about this a while ago. You know, they are at the top of their elasticity, customer elasticity. And so when you're at the top of your customer elasticity of, right, what can I squeeze out of my customer in terms of money? Yeah, the only way is down. They've gone away from experiential, yeah. you know, an experience, to paying over a £1,000 for a phone. £1,000. Which just looks that, prettier and that's it. And that's right at the top of even though I can have one, I can have one tomorrow. I can go out and get it. But that's right at the top of my, okay, now Apple, you're taking the piss. They are. They essentially, they are, they are at the top end of their elasticity, for their customer elasticity. And I think they've stretched customers so much. I feel stuck with Apple now. So the word I use, stuck. Yeah. Because I have my music with them. I have all my apps with them. I feel stuck. That I can't that. move. I feel like I'm in that, I'm caged, but I shouldn't feel like that. What I should be is like, I want to stay with Apple because they do amazing things, but I feel stuck. Yeah. Wow. But you know, they, they, it's like, yes, the more products you get from a particular company, the more you're likely to stay with them. So you got iCloud, you got the iPhone, iCloud, iTunes, um, podcast, the more you have with yeah. It's
0: pretty similar to what like, Google's trying to do. You know, one account, everything, you get everything, email and, yeah. uh, you know, you name it. It's just yeah. a whole list of things that once you're yes. in, you can't get out. I would not out. dream of using another browser, uh, another search engine.
1: Yeah, no, you wouldn't. But then Google's a very simple model, isn't it? Yeah. It's just About one bar, dead easy. Yeah, it gives you everything that you need quickly.
0: What, what's your view on, uh, you know, the opportunities that might arise from? There's a lot of negativity towards Brexit. You know, most people just want it done without really understanding of what kind of benefit will it bring. And the whole idea was, whichever way it goes, it brings some sort of benefit to the society and then the country, right? Yeah. In, in your view, what kind of opportunities people can look up to? Because at the moment, everybody is just holding their breath and seeing what, what really happens. But changes yeah. happen all the time without us realizing. It's just that this, this has been blown out of proportion. Mm. Where do you see the opportunities arising within a situation like that where people don't feel a victim? People feel, you know what, that's fine. I'll bring up something that I can do.
1: Okay. With chaos comes opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So I'll say that again. With chaos comes opportunity. They're going to do what they're going to do, whatever it is, down in, in, you know, in, in, in Whitehall, in Parliament, right? You've got to focus on what you've got to do because in effect, you can't really affect those morons because that's what they are. You know, they're going to do what they, because it's a power struggle, right? And even a new prime minister, a new leader of the Conservative Party, I don't think will have, you know, the backing of parliament. That's a different kind of fish. And I don't want to get into that. In times like this, you have to market yourself even harder. So when everyone else is pulling back, you should, James Kahn says, observe the masses and do exactly the opposite. Right. Yeah. So look at what everyone else is doing and go the other way. If the sheep are going north, you go south. So market even harder because when we come out of it, you'll be the one standing. The worst thing to do in this scenario is to stop. To say, we're going to pull back on our budgets on marketing. We're going to pull back on our budgets on developing our people. What you should be doing, you should be doubling up. Not doubling down, doubling up and saying, Right. Let's double up on marketing spend. Let's double up on keeping the right people. Let's go out and recruit. Let's make more noise in the right spaces and tell people what we're really good at and why we're really good. That would be my. Either you become a shrinking violet or you bloom. Yeah,
0: and now is the time
1: forward. to bloom. Now is the time to bloom. Now is the time to to forge forward. Now is the time to go after. Customers, and now is also a time to put your prices up. Don't cut your prices. In fact, go the other way.
0: Wow. That, would, that might be a bit difficult for a lot of people to, to, to kind of it understand.
1: Would. It would. It's very difficult for people to understand. But you know what? 99% of people will think like that. The 1% that will take risks or will take investments, because that's an investment, is to go the other way, and, and probably that's the optimist and the entrepreneur in me. But also, you've got to look at where you can reallocate resources and kind of change things. But for me, it would be right. Okay, let's not because the other the, the cutting mindset of the we've got to cut or we've got to stop. That mindset is a very negative mindset, and it's a very you could spiral into. Okay, well, you, you could go into the situation where you're happy with. Less than what you had before, you know. You should be increasing your targets, not decreasing them. Yes. Because if you cut, you think, well, we're going to save some money here, we're going to save some money there. Look, which is not a bad thing either. But you, in your mind, you'd say, okay, well, we have to, we we can reduce our turnover because we've got less commitments to make. That's a very very dangerous place to be. We have less overheads, so therefore we're going to have our you know, our targets don't need to be as well. It, complacency comes in when you do that. Absolute complacency.
0: You're not playing with the offense. Offense is the best defense.
1: Absolutely. One hundred percent in my opinion. In certain scenarios, sometimes you've got to understand when to you've got to understand when to go and when not to go. But my my wholeheartedly I believe in you you've got to go. if you're a company now, you need to market harder. Because when you come out the other end you will be the one that absolutely will fly.
0: Yeah, because and people keep now, hearing that name again and again and again.
1: Yep. Yeah, remember, brand is built with investment over passage of time. That's how you build your brand. And you have to rent the space in someone's mind as a brand. You rent the space in their mind. That's why Coca-Cola, Nike, McDonald's, they, from a very young age, rent the space in your mind. So as you get older, those those brands, if I asked you what are the three or four brands that you reel off at the top of your head, you're going to say Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola Nike, McDonald's. Yeah. Because they rent the space in your mind from a very young age. Now small, but they spend millions of pounds doing it. Yeah. Small businesses should learn from that because we can use social media. Keep posting every day. Keep being consistent. Keep doing things because eventually you're renting the space in someone's mind and when the time comes when they need you they'll come to you you must always rent the space in someone's mind so if you're saying you're going to do a podcast every week or every day and you're not consistent with it then you're get inconsistent results yeah
0: absolutely consistency is key showing up as they say is
1: yeah
0: 80% of the success
1: right I think it's more than that now probably <laughs> I think it's probably 90% of the success, you know? You've got to show up. You've got to show up, no matter how. And even if it's tough and it feels as though you're trudging through treacle and it's tough, keep getting up and keep doing it. And you might not even enjoy it then. You know, sometimes there'll be days where I just don't enjoy it. But get up and keep going. Even if you feel as though you're going through the motions, you have to keep going through the motions over and over and over again.
0: Wow, awesome. Well, I'm going to let you go and uh, watch Thank cricket. You. I'm sure you're, <laughs> you missed a lot of it. Any, any Thank final... you, Peter. No worries. So any final thoughts before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, why are you doing this?
0: Why am I doing this? Yes. Is in just a podcast or what I exactly do?
1: Yeah, what do you do?
0: So I help uh, corporate employees uh, who want to transition to a business startup or become highly paid consultant. Um, a person that changed my life was uh, Robert Kiyosaki when I read his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was going through the same quadrant of being an employee and being a self-employed. And as the money increases, and I've had first-hand experience of it, you know, I was on my first ever salary was 16 and a half K. And my salary as a freelance uh, contractor was as, it it went between 80,000 and 110,000, roughly around that, sometimes up, up and down. And, you know, I was at the age of 22, 23, I had my house, my car, and I was like, is this everybody is screaming about, having a nice car, a nice house. And I felt more and more and more kind of depressed. I was very depressed by the age of 25. I was like, I wish someone would come one day and tell me what I'm supposed to do with my life and what's the meaning and purpose of it. And, uh, you know, and then you see, look, you start seeing people, you know, with nice cars and everything. And you think, oh, that's the answer. Maybe I should go down that road. But then that's not very fulfilling. And in any ways, I time went by and... Um, kept on going and kept my search, kept going. And I said, whatever I do next, it has to have three or four things in place. It has to involve people because I was bullied in school and and, uh, I I was deprived of having good friendships and meeting people and connecting with them. I missed out on a lot of that, I feel. And I was hungry for being around people, nice people. And then I can learn something from them. I can connect and I can, uh, you know, really, really be amongst them, right? It makes me come alive when I'm between people that I really mm. connect with. I, I had to some way of finding people that are, uh, if you like, more skilled or intelligent than I am, so I can learn from them. And as, as a and somewhere I have to make money. And so the next thing had to be, how can I use that knowledge and my own experience and provide a service to my clients? They may not spend the time and the money, the energy, the know-how, the they they're in to really do what they want to do. So I can be that gap and, and this kind of covered everything i mean when i started mm. my podcast i, I didn't know I would, I, would, I would be able to interview people that are way beyond my league you know i started off with small business owners and now we are on episode what 15 or 16 have been recorded and uh, yeah i've been very blessed to have been be able to interview you know six seven figure entrepreneurs and you know people have bought and sold businesses and are very top of their game and very influential mm. in their circle, and, you know what? Five o'clock at this time, normally I remember five, six years ago and I was younger, remember, 20 hours, 25, 26. <laughs> at this time, I would be knackered. I would want to go sleep or something. And now you tell me three o'clock in the morning, we are doing a podcast, I'll be up for it. Yeah. You tell me I've got to do training, I'll be up for it. Because yeah. I love it. It really makes me come alive. And it yeah. ticks all of my boxes. It had to allow me to speak and you know, uh, travel and connect with people and meet people. And that's what I love doing.
1: Amazing.
0: And not but everybody, you know, in a lot of influential people like yourself who may not have, you may have very successful businesses, but may not have a chance to share your story that might mm. help someone else down the line. Like you, yes. you mentioned earlier on, having those, the right people around you, which your parents tell you, mm. right? You won't listen to your parents, but you might listen to Kasin. You might yeah. listen to me. You might listen to someone else, Robert Kiyosaki, yes. you might, you yes. might, whoever might that be. And that's my story. That's, that's my reason. And I hope I can make that tiny little difference
1: You are in some, in some way. But you are because you've got the right intention, you know? And, and, and the thing is, you know, there's people probably, I don't know if when you send this out, there'll be people listening or there'll be people watching and you don't know you're influencing them. And then when the moment's right, they'll be in touch. It still surprises me. Just the other day, someone contacted me because they've been watching my videos and content for quite some time and... They were like, we want you to speak in front of 2,000 people at World Marketing Summit that's going to be held in the UK. And they'd be watching me for quite some time. And I couldn't believe how much influence I had on this, these two individuals. And it was like, well, I'm just me. I'm just doing what I do. And I'm speaking. To... And when I do my, do my um, podcasts or do my writing or do, do my videos, I do them for me. I don't do them for anyone else. I do them because I have certain things in my mind that I don't want to share. I need to get them out. And because I do it for me, it resonates with other people. It's quite unusual. When I write, I write to get things off my, out my mind. And the byproduct of that is that people resonate with it or that people will comment on it. And it helps people. It's quite amazing. Quite amazing the power of this thing that I have in my hand. And that's the final thought, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, no, no excuses for anyone to really complain or, you know, I have uh, family members who, who sometimes complain about, you know, they want to earn more money and everything. And, and it really surprises me. I'm like, you have no idea what you have right now. No idea. I mean, if you put it, put it to good use and, and the right thing, you, <laughs> you'll be wealthy. You'll, be, you'll have the influence, the impact. You'll live the life you want. you live the life of your dreams. It's just that you are lazy. You are being, that's the key thing. And you know what? Sometimes I feel that way as well. You know, a spare hour in my calendar, I feel like, oh, I'm not doing much. I need to, I need to go. Maybe sometimes it's a bit obsessive, but that's where you got to be, right? I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson, when I read his book and when I listened to him and he used to be, he said, I've only ever taken, if I'm not wrong, in 25 years, six days. For personal reasons, six days in 25 years. Wow. One of the, sorry, missed the match. That was one was death of his wife's friend, or, or yeah, or that's that's when he decided to retire. And there's birth of his grandsons or his son, and once was to buy David the hair. <laughs> so that was still work, really. That's the only time he missed the match, yeah. And he was the first person in, the last person out, and then he said, No one ever. Uh, he was doing a talk on uh, Southwood City owned by the class of 92, right? Yeah, yeah And yeah. he was invited to speak and he said, no one's ever, you know, g- been given anything for free. You know, no one's going to come knocking on your door. You're the one who has to knock doors. Eventually yeah. one will open. I mean, a man like that who's been there, done it. And he's not, we might, be, might have an easier customer, but he's got to look after young millionaires who are very hard to control. Very, yeah. very hard. Yeah. They have unlimited money. And, and influence and power and here's a man who's trying to make sure that he gets the best out of them i mean yeah he's got brilliant advice
1: amazing amazing great leader
0: one of his one of uh, one of his kind
1: yeah so thank you so much for your uh, time i really appreciate it it's been lovely to meet you
0: great thank you to, thank you so much it's to, my pleasure
1: lovely to connect with you and uh, please stay in touch
0: absolutely where can people find you learn more about you connect
1: with you I have the, the various channels. I have, I have my own Facebook page, which is Magid, Cas Majid, C A S Majid. You can search that. I'm on LinkedIn, Cas Majid. Um, I'm on Instagram, Cas Majid again. I'm on Twitter, Cas underscore Majid. I have a podcast with a, a a friend of mine and a work colleague um, who's a managing director of one of the companies that's part of our group uh, called Waterload of Bollard. <laughs> so that's 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 a, a bit of a rant. That's all about the things that we love and love about the hospitality and digital industry with some business bombs thrown in as well. So yeah, so, uh, you know, the podcast is a new thing for me, but I really like the, um, I really like this channel because I, I just love podcasting. Yeah. So we're probably, we're, we've released six, we've got another four to release. So it's easy, isn't it? It's just do it, talk and edit a little bit and it's out. Absolutely. You know? I, love, I love podcasting. I love doing videos as well, so but um, but yeah, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy sharing, you know, your innermost thoughts about certain things. The podcast allows me to do that because there's part of me that's angry, and I need to get the anger out, you know, on certain things in life. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun with your host Jazbear. If you love this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Also, make sure you to visit www.jazzbearaurora.com to access the show notes. And if you are thinking about uh, starting your business, then take our Escape the 95 survey to see if you're ready. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.